Welcome to Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. Thank you for joining us as we listen to another message from Pastor Daniel Shirley. In Galatians chapter 1, verse number 15, it says, But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me. Now, now mark those words right there. Reveal his son in me. Might put a double underline under in me. To reveal his son in me. Praise God. That I might preach. And then you might note those words there. That I might preach. Praise God. That I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. Now notice here. He did not say to reveal his son to me. He said reveal his son in me. Where is he? We talked extensively a couple of weeks ago about Christ in us, the hope of glory. We said that John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then if we jump down to verse number 14 of that chapter, it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now notice this, in John 1 there, it says that, that the Word became flesh and it's obvious there that he's talking about Jesus the word became flesh and he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory now this is where many Christians are stuck they are seeing the word in the flesh Jesus walking the shores of Galilee, doing miracles, performing signs and wonders, healing the sick, etc. And we see Jesus in the flesh doing this. And then, you know, and it says, we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. But how many of you know that Jesus is never after the end of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what we call the Gospels, at the end of the Gospels, Jesus is never again called the only begotten of the Father. From that point on, he is referred to as the first begotten from the dead. Why is that? Because you were raised up with him, and you are now born of God. Hallelujah. And to be born of God means that you are a begotten of the Father. See, when he was in the flesh dwelling among us, we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. But now the scripture tells us that the hope of glory is Christ in us. The hope of whose glory? Romans tells us that we are glorified together with him. Hallelujah. So no longer is it his glory full of grace and truth. It is our glory because we are glorified together with him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so I want you to see that and understand that. And, and, and know that, uh, you know, what he says here, that he might reveal his son in me. Because that's where he is. He's in you. Hallelujah. Now, when you were an unbeliever, before you came to the Lord, he needed to reveal his son to you. 
But now that you have accepted Christ, he wants to reveal his son in you so that the life of God begins to flow out of you. Last night I spent some time around here praying that the eyes of your understanding would open so that Jesus would be revealed to you as who he is in you. See, I, I pray that, that there come an understanding that you know who Christ is in you. Hallelujah. The revelation will come alive on the inside of you of Christ in you. Praise God. You know, when we begin to understand Christ in us, it changes the way we think about everything. It changes the way we understand everything. Do you realize, I mean, just think about this phrase for a moment. Christ in you. Christ in you. You know, we need to understand, if, if, if our bodies need to be healed, where is healing? It's not in heaven sitting at the right hand of the Father. Healing is on the inside of you. Praise God. If you need provision, material provision, it's not sitting in heaven. You know, I, I heard someone tell him one time how that they had uh, had a vision and gone, you know, whether they actually went to heaven or whether they just saw a vision of heaven or whatever it was. But anyway, they talked about going into a storeroom and seeing all the things that God had provided for them in the storeroom. No, it's not there. That's, that's an erroneous report because it's not there, it's in you. Hallelujah. It's not sitting in a storehouse, in a warehouse in heaven, waiting for you to, to ask God to give it to you. It's on the inside of you. And we need to become conscious of that so that we learn how to let it flow out of us Praise God, so that it's not just contained in us, but it begins to affect. This is why the Apostle Paul said, let us work out our own salvation. He's not talking about figuring out a way to be saved. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying it's in you. Learn how to work it out. Work from the inside out. Praise God. Because Christ is in you. Jesus is healing Praise God. Christ is healing. And he's in you. So if he is healing and healing is in you, then you don't need to get it down from heaven. This is why the Apostle Paul said in the 10th chapter of Romans, do not say who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss to bring Christ up from the dead. Why? Because he already came down from heaven. He already died, went to hell, rose again from the dead, and he is now resident on the inside of you. We don't need him to come down from heaven. We don't need him to rise from the dead because it is already done. Praise God. This is the gospel. Healing is in you. Praise God. So let it flow out of you. Let it affect the outside. Work out your own salvation. Praise God. Praise God. Now, here's what it says in Philippians chapter 3, verse number 7. But the things, what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ, yet indeed I also all things, uh, count all things loss 
for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. See, I thought he was in us. It goes both ways. We have been merged with his life. He is in us and we are in him. Praise God. His life and our life, we have we have been merged together. Praise God. Praise God. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Now, he said you've been made a preacher. Praise God. You've been made a preacher. He said that, you, that he would reveal his son in me that I might preach. That I might proclaim something. Praise God. What you, you, you need to understand what it is you're proclaiming. You are proclaiming Christ in you. You are proclaiming that Christ can be in to to the unbeliever. Well, if you'll believe, Christ will be in you. Hallelujah. Then he says in Romans chapter 16, verse number 25, he says, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest by the prophetic scriptures, made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God, for obedience to the faith. Now notice this. In the book of Acts. The preaching in the book of Acts. Centered around. The death, burial and resurrection of Christ. The death, burial and resurrection of Christ. You know many times people. You know, that, that, that don't really have an understanding of the gospel. They wonder you know well, what's the. What's this death thing all about? I know people that die all the time. You know, I know people that have, uh, you know, dear loved ones close to me that have died. We all have those that have, have died. So what's the big deal that Jesus died? That Jesus died for me even. You know, and I, I hear people say, well, you know, nobody else died for me but Jesus. That's not even true. It's not even true. There are, are thousands upon thousands and over time, you know, perhaps even, even millions of U.S. servicemen that have actually died for you. So you can't say Jesus is the only one that ever died for you. No. There, there, uh, go to Arlington National Cemetery and see the gravestones of those who died for you. But I like what E.W. Kenyon says. That he died as you. Not just for you. But as you. He became what you were. And he took your punishment. 
which was death, he took that upon himself. Nobody else died as you. Many have died for you, but nobody else died as you. Praise God. Praise God. And the book of Acts, preaching in the book of Acts, if you read through there and read all the sermons that were preached in the book of Acts, you'll find that they all centered around the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Now, I'm going to talk about why death, burial, and resurrection, those three elements, why those are all important, what they all mean. Praise God. Death doesn't mean a lot if all there is is a death. If there's no burial, if there's no resurrection, it, it doesn't mean a lot. It takes all three of those. Of course, you can't have the resurrection unless there was a death. And you hopefully don't have a burial unless there was a death. But let's, let's look at this. What is death? Death is the loss of power to impact one's environment. The loss of power to impact one's environment. When you walked into this room, if you walked in here and did the simplest of things, you just walked in. You walked over and sat down. You impacted the environment in this room. Every person that came in here had a body temperature of approximately 98.6. And when you came in here carrying that body temperature with you, you raised the temperature in the room. This is why in the summertime, we have air conditioning. It's not just for the heat from outside, but it is also, you know, all of the people that come in here and their body temperature adds to the temperature of the room. So just by walking into the room, you impact the environment. You know, if you put on... Uh, cologne or, or perfume, and you walked into the room, you, you changed the aroma in the room. If you came in here and you didn't shower the last week, you probably changed the environment a little bit in a different way. But, uh, you know, you, you impacted the environment in the room. When, when you walked in here, a shadow was cast because the light was shining on you and behind you on the opposite side of, of where the light was, you changed the illumination of the room. So in some way, you have changed the environment around you just by your presence. But when a person dies, they lose the ability to change or impact the environment around them. Praise God. They can't walk into the room. You know, they, they, they can't come in here. And so... I want you to get this, that Jesus became sin. Now, keep in mind what I'm talking about uh, of affecting the environment. Jesus became sin. Scripture tells us he became sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Praise God. So he became sin. He became poor. We all know that the grace of our Lord Jesus, who though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you might become the uh, uh, that you might become rich. So he became sin. He became poor. He became poverty. 
He became, he bore your sickness and your disease and your pain. Hallelujah. So notice those three things there. Jesus became or bore all of these things for you. Praise God. And then what happened? You see, if he became sin and he died, then what happened to sin? Come on, go ahead. Somebody's sin died. All right. And died means that it has what? Lost its power to impact the environment. Do you see where I'm going with this? He became sin and he died. So if he became if he was sin, I didn't say he was a sinner. I said he became sin. He became sin itself. And if sin died, and died means that it has lost its power to impact its environment, then sin has lost its power to impact its environment. Hallelujah. Do you get that? Sin has lost the power to rule and dominate your life. It has no more power to do so. This is what it means to be free from sin. To say, well, I'm free from sin, that doesn't mean you never commit a sin. What it means is that you are free from the power of sin. Anybody who wants to overcome sin, if they are in Christ, they have the ability to overcome sin. Because sin has no power to impact your life anymore. Praise God. And the, the more we get a hold of that and the more we understand that, when, when we really grasp what that means, then sin will no longer rule over us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I mean, let me just take this for instance. And uh, uh, let, let's say that there, there's a woman... And her husband dies. And, and she has a picture of her husband that after he dies, she keeps it on her nightstand in, in, in the bedroom. The day comes that she meets another gentleman and they get married. And when they come into the bedroom for the very first time, now, how many know that if he died, it's okay that she sleeps with another man? It's all right that she sleeps with, she, she marries again and sleeps with another husband. And that, there, there's not a thing wrong with that. That is just perfectly fine because she's no longer bound to the husband who is deceased. But if she keeps a picture of her deceased husband on the nightstand and she feels guilty about being in bed with her new husband because she looks over there and she sees the picture of her deceased husband and it begins to affect the intimacy of her new marriage. You see, this is what happens. Sin died because Jesus became sin and he died. So if sin died, but yet 
you continue to be affected by the memory of sin. Anybody see where I'm going with this? It died. Don't let it impact your life. You see, it is not the, the deceased husband that is impacting this woman's new marriage. It's the memory of the husband in the mind of the woman that is affecting the new marriage. It's not the husband. He has no ability to do that. He is not going to come in there and shoot this new husband. He's not going to do it. It's not going to happen. But it is the, the, it, it is the memory and this wife, this wife that is married to a new husband is now allowing guilt to come in and impact the new marriage. But it is not the deceased husband that's impacting it. Many people are being impacted by the sins they committed before they even came to the Lord. Get this. He became sin and he died. Then sin died, meaning it has lost the ability to affect its environment. Praise God. What is burial all about? What's burial all about? Well, burial is a disposal place. It's a disposal place. You know, and if you've had someone close to you that has passed from this life, I, I don't mean any disrespect by this, and please don't, don't take it this way. I want you to see something. Okay, that's the only reason I'm talking this way is because I want you to see something. Praise God. Burial is where you dispose of, and if you don't dispose of something, so how many of you remember the story of Lazarus in the Bible when Jesus came to the tomb? They said he's been dead four days, he stinks. Because when something has died, then it begin, begins to decay. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 9 says, Now this, he ascended. What does it mean but that he first, also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? That's talking about the burial. He went in, Jesus actually descended into hell. Now get this, in, in, uh, in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells us that hell was never meant for people. Hell was, was created for and is intended for the devil and his angels, not for people. So then why, do pe- why are people going to go to hell? Well, people are going to go to hell because of who they belong to. I mean, let, 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 let's get this. Let's understand this. Hell was never intended for people. In Psalm chapter 16, verse number 10, says, For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, or in hell, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Now, what happens when a person dies, their body 
the, the, the body begins to decay and, and corrupts, if we do not dispose of that, it will begin to corrupt what is living. So if we don't, if, if, if Jesus became sin and he died, sin died, if we don't dispose of it, or if Jesus didn't dispose of it, let me say it that way, if Jesus didn't dispose of it, then it could still begin to corrupt what is living. Acts chapter, 20, uh, chapter 2, verse number 27. He repeats that, that verse or quotes that verse. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, verse 31, he quotes that verse once again about, you would not leave my soul in hell nor uh, permit your Holy One to see corruption. Uh, Acts chapter 13, verse number 35, he repeats it once again. So we found, we got four verses there, how that Jesus, when he died, he was buried. And when he was buried, he disposed of, he properly disposed of your sin. Hallelujah. He properly disposed of it. Praise God. But it says, he would not allow his Holy One to see corruption. So in other words, Jesus, he became your sin. He died. He was buried. He disposed of your sin. But then something happened. Jesus wasn't in there long enough for him to corrupt. You would not, he would not permit his Holy One. God would not permit his Holy One to see corruption. Three days later, he arose from the dead. Hallelujah. But he did so only after he had properly disposed of sin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, burial is where you dispose of what died so it does not corrupt what is living. Jesus was buried as your sin, but he rose again without it. Hallelujah. He was not left in hell, but he left your sin there. Praise God. Do you see that? He was not left in hell. He rose again three days later, but when he rose again, he did not rise again with your sins. He left your sins properly where they belong in the grave in hell. Praise God. Now, get this, in Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 23, it says, Therefore, it was necessary that the copies of the things in heaven should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered the holy place made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself. So Jesus Christ did not enter into a man-made tabernacle, but he entered into heaven itself. Praise God. Now to appear in the presence of God for us, not that he should suffer, that he should offer himself often as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with the blood of another. 
He then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin. Notice that. He put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed for men once to die, but after this, the judgment. So Christ has offered once, was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear the second time apart from sin to salvation. So Jesus, he became sin, but he's not sin anymore. Hallelujah. He is in you and he is apart from sin to salvation. Praise God. Do you realize that the high priest, he's talking about the types and the shadows here. Under the old covenant, the high priest could not enter into the holy place with sin. He had to offer sacrifices for himself in order to enter in to the holy place. Jesus has entered into not the tabernacle made with hands, but he has entered into the holy of holies in heaven on your behalf. He, if, a, if a priest under the old covenant could not enter into the tabernacle made with hands with sin, then how much more could one not enter into heaven with sin? Jesus entered into heaven, which is proof positive that he disposed of your sin. Hallelujah. He took it. He, he, he became sin. He bore it to the grave. He bore it to hell, but his soul was not left in hell. He rose again from the dead. Three days later, and he took his blood without sin, and he carried it, and he offered it on the mercy seat of God in the true holy of holies in heaven on your behalf, without sin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he's the one that lives in you. Praise God. He could not have entered the Holy of Holies in heaven with sin. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 24. For Christ has not entered the holy place made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I could go in uh, a whole other teaching here of, of how you are now... You know, under the old covenant, the person who brought the sacrifice was not examined. The sacrifice was examined. Hallelujah. And the sacrifice, you know, if the sacrifice was accepted, then the person who brought it was accepted. Well, Jesus became our sacrifice. And Jesus was the perfect Lamb of God, and He was accepted. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. God was pleased with the sacrifice. Hallelujah. And because He was pleased with the sacrifice, this is why we come on the basis of what Jesus has done. If you come on the basis of what you've done, you will not pass the test. 
But if you come on the basis of what Jesus did, he was the perfect sacrifice offered for you, and you come on the basis of that, then the sacrifice is accepted, and you, therefore, are accepted in the beloved. Hallelujah. Resurrection. Why was a resurrection necessary? Resurrection to newness of life. Why could hell not hold Jesus? Why, why couldn't it hold him? Romans chapter 1, verse number 1. Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was born of a, uh, of a descendant of David, according to the flesh, who was declared, get this, who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. According to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. He was declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. In other words, the resurrection from the dead was the proof. Now I want you to look at a couple of, uh, of words here in the Greek. The word holiness. He was declared to be according to the spirit of holiness is what it says. He was declared to be the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead according to the spirit of holiness. This word of holiness is the Greek word hagiosune. And this word hagiosune implies belonging to or set apart to. Belonging to or set apart to. So if you are holy, that doesn't mean you never make any mistakes. It means you are set apart or belong to God. You are holy unto Him. What is holy unto God is what has been set apart unto Him. Praise God. Now, get this. The word declared, he was declared to be the Son of God with power. This word de declared is the Greek word horizo. And this word means to mark out boundaries or limits of any place or thing. To determine to appoint that which has been determined to appoint or decree, to ordain or determine or uh, determine something. And so he was marked out. Let me just pull, pull that part of that definition out. He was marked out as the Son of God with power. He was marked out as the Son of God with power. How was he marked out? What was it that set him apart? He was marked out to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. He was marked out to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. And then he says, according to the Spirit of Holiness, or in other words, the thing that, that, that makes someone set apart or belonging to. He was marked out by the resurrection from the dead as being the Son. Now, how many of you have heard this said, well, 
Well, whose kid is that? Oh, that one belongs to me. That one belongs to me. Well, this is essentially what was happening here. God was saying, by raising him from the dead, God was saying, that one belongs to me. That one is my son. Praise God. Everybody see what I'm saying here? That one is my son. Jesus is the son of God. And he was marked out and declared to belong to God by the fact that God raised him from the dead. Hallelujah. But here's what I want you to see now. Here's, here's where this gets really important for you. As long as that's all we know, didn't really impact your life too much. But here's what I want you to see. Romans chapter 6, verse number 4. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead... Did you notice the way he said that there? We were buried with him just as Christ was raised from the dead. And we'll, we'll solidify this in scripture and just, just hang on. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we. Anybody get that? Even so we. What did the resurrection from the dead mean? God was saying, that one's mine. That one belongs to me. Even so we. Anybody following me here? He was declared to be the Son of God, belonging to God with power by the resurrection from the dead. Even so, we. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Even so, we should walk in newness of life. Praise God. Even so, we should walk in newness of life. Praise God. Colossians chapter 2, verse number 12 says, Buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him. In which you also were raised with him. Praise God. Now, here's what I want you to get. Even so, you were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Here's what I want you to see. The resurrection marked him as the son of God with power. Colossians 2.12 says that you were raised with him. So if he was raised and that was proof that he belonged to God, you were raised with him. What does that prove about you? Man, you're quiet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the best news you've heard all day. Or are likely to hear all day. Praise God. He was declared or, or proven, marked out as the son belonging to God with power 
by the resurrection from the dead and you were resurrected from the dead with him. Hallelujah. So what does that say about you? Hallelujah. You are also a son or daughter belonging to God, proven to be so by the fact that you were raised with Him to newness of life. Now, with that information, how can you live like the old man anymore? This is why the Apostle Paul said, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How can we? How is that even possible? How is it even possible that we continue in sin? How is it even possible? Praise God. How can we? God forbid, but that's not even strong enough. He emphasized, how shall we? Praise God. Because that's not who we are anymore. That is who we used to be. But we died with Him. We were crucified with Christ. And then lest that old man that we were become corrupt, He was buried with Him through baptism into death. And then because He was raised from the dead. We were so intertwined with him that we were raised from the dead too. Praise God. Now, how shall we live like the old man? Hallelujah. How shall sin reign in our mortal bodies any longer? How shall sickness and disease dominate our life anymore? How shall poverty rule and govern our lives anymore? Because we have been raised up with him to newness of life. All of that garbage, all of that junk, lest it begin to corrupt what is living, has been buried and disposed of properly. And now we are new creatures. All things have passed away and all things have become new. Hallelujah. Do you begin to see what took place here? It wasn't just some guy came down, you know, born in a manger in Bethlehem, lived a life, did some miracles, and then one day, They nailed him to a cross, and then God raised him from the dead, and he went back to heaven, and nothing really changed. We're right back where we started. Oh, God forbid. How is that even possible? How is that even possible that nothing ever changed? When we see what took place here, when we see that he took, he became sin for us, Hallelujah. He bore our sickness. He became poor for us. Praise God. And when he died, it died. And when he was buried, it was disposed of. Hallelujah. And when he rose again, he rose again without it, but with you. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. That's who you are. 
Never, never, ever, 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 for any reason, absolutely do not let the devil or anybody else ever tell you anything different. This is why the Apostle Paul said, if any... If anyone else, even if it's an angel from heaven, comes to you preaching another gospel to you, let him be accursed. Praise God. Because if he comes preaching another gospel, it's not really the gospel. That's what Paul said. Hallelujah. He said, if he comes preaching any other gospel, he said, you know, some of you, you've departed from the, from the faith, you've departed from the truth unto another gospel, which is really not another gospel. Because there really isn't another gospel. Praise God. Jesus became you. And he took all of the garbage that you deal with and he disposed of it lest it begin to corrupt your new life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you see it? Does anybody see it? Praise God. You know, this is one of those cases where I want to screw off the top of your head, dump it all in, so there you go. Now take that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But since I can't do that, I'll have to trust that you're above average because I know you are. Hallelujah. Praise God. There is nothing average about you because you are in him. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Father, we just thank you today. Oh, we thank you today, Father, for this glorious Glorious gospel. This glorious gospel. Father, thank you for letting me preach this. Mm. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. And all we have to do to be a recipient of all that God has done for us in Christ. All we have to do to be a beneficiary of it is agree with it. Believe it. Believe it. Agree with what God did. Agree that it was enough. Hallelujah. Agree that it was enough. Praise God. Praise God. Maybe you missed the prayer earlier. We're going to do it again because some of you might understand something now that you didn't understand before. Hallelujah. So let's pray this again. Just, if you've never received Jesus as your Savior, let, let's, let's connect with this. Just say this with me. Say, God in heaven, thank you for sending your son Jesus who becomes sin for me who died on a cross as me, who was buried and disposed of sin, and who rose again without it. And I thank you, and I believe it, and I put my trust in the work that Jesus did. Thank you, Jesus, for doing that for me. 
I put the trust of my salvation totally upon you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Word of Life Church, please visit us on the web at wolcarlsbad.com. Thank you and have a great week.